We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome in to Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Thanks so much for listening. Wherever and whenever you're listening, it's probably beer o'clock, and we've got a lot of good stuff coming up for you right here on the podcast starting right now. Welcome back into Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Thank you guys so much for listening. That was a great pop right there. I enjoyed the sound of that. Pour me the beer. (laughs) Dance, monkey, dance. (laughs) We have an In the Brews episode for you today. It kind of just came about. It wasn't planned this way. It was more of like Patrick texting me, hey, I have an interview for us next week. Oh, cool. (laughs) And then there was uh, some buyout news or purchasing news, I suppose, that came through this week. So it's another In the Brews here on Beers on Us. Hey, that's great. You can find the podcast most places you can find podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Radio.com, 1080thefan.com, Omni, and Stitcher. Uh, You can also find us at Instagram slash Beers on Us, Instagram.com slash Beers on Us, at Beers on Us Pod on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Beers on Us, and our personal pages. I'm at Mike Lynch 27 on Twitter. Patrick's at PDD085 on both Twitter and Instagram. Twitter alive and well. Yeah, I saw you tweeting, live tweeting the Blazer game live yesterday. Live tweeting the Blazer game last night. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I like watching the Golden State Clay Thompsons. Yeah, and uh, without Clay Thompson. And, and without Clay and uh, Mazur's were on. So, uh, it was a fantastic game. It was a great game. I really enjoyed it. I don't I don't watch a ton of NBA, uh, but uh, that was a game that for some reason I decided I'm going to tune into this, and it was quite enjoyable. It was within like five points the entire game. Mm-hmm. There were no runs it was whatsoever. Like a, it was like a real basketball game. Yeah. It was really cool. Well, no runs except for the 10-0 run to start the game by the Warriors, but we all knew that didn't mean anything. Yeah, yeah. That's... And uh, Blazers won because Damian Lillard's amazing. So, all right. Weekend beer. Yes. I went out for the first time in quite some time, Good. except for when I went out with you to Barrelick the other weekend. Drink. Uh, right, drink. I went to Culmination with my roommate. Ah. I was looking for a place that had good outdoor seating, and I was uh, kind of farting around. I texted you. I wanted to try Migration's rooftop thing that got going on, mm-hmm. but that's closed. Yeah. So, I don't think that's open yet. Um, so that it said temporarily closed on their website. So I was just looking and I was like, oh, you know, I haven't been to Culmination in a while. I know Conrad left. So like, you know, the, the person I knew there is gone. But I looked it up and they said reviews were like great outdoor setup. And I was like, oh, cool. I went over there. It is a fantastic outdoor setup. They have a, a big tent over the walkway in front of all the businesses that are in that little strip mall thing. And uh, then they've taken over the sidewalk with barrels and they've got seats next to each of the barrels, you know, very, very spaced. Got a couple of beers, sat in a two-person barrel, chatted with my roommate. It was sunny. It was a nice day. So I really enjoyed myself. Yeah, I, I've been tr- I've been trying to go there. My my girlfriend and I passed by there a couple times, and every time we do, it's like jammed full. So. Yeah, we were very <laughs> fortunate. So we got our beer, and we're like, well, I guess we'll just stand and wait for something to open. 
And as we started walking towards like a standing area, mm -hmm. these two people got up who were at a two person barrel and then like a four person table got up and I was like, ah, nice, nice timing. Nice. So we were able to slide right in and not have to worry too much. But uh, I had a good time there. Had a, I don't remember. Oh, I tried a really interesting beer that I don't remember the name of. So apologies. It was using, it was barrel aged in a specific type of orange liqueur that's in Scandinavia barrel. Okay. And it was a, it was a stout. And it was, uh, it was basically like a chocolate orange, which is a tasty little treat. And it tasted just like that. It was really, really cool. I forget. It's a, it, it's an, it's a liqueur I've never heard of before, but I looked it up and it's, uh, it's orange flavored and it was really, really cool. Uh, I had a couple other beers there. They were, they were fine, solid beers, nothing to, nothing that like screamed amazing to me, but that one in particular, I was like, Ooh, that's really unique. And uh, it was really, really cool. That's so awesome. I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Uh, my week in beer, let's see. I've I had some random stuff around here and there. Um I had a new IPA from Upright, which is always exciting to have uh, you know, non upright beers from Upright, so that was kind of cool. Uh riding this uh cold IPA train right now. Um yeah. there's a, a Wayfinder Ecliptic collab, there's a new Wayfinder uh cold IPA out, and then the Wayfinder Normal cold IPA. So I guess I'm just drinking a lot of Wayfinder Yeah, a lot of Wayfinder. <laughs> They're on a cold IPA, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm really into the cold IPA stuff, and I was chatting with my buddy Martin, who's a former brewer, and and we are like we are so jazzed about it as West Coast IPA drinkers. We just think it's something kind of fun and cool. and So get out there and, and drink your cold IPAs if you get the chance, because it's a really groovy kind of concept. My my biggest thing is uh, the messenger uh, dropped off another delivery. Oh, as we are drinking a Bierstadt Dunkel right now from mm. the Messenger. I was curious how you had the had your hands on this. Yep, and uh, also a Hellas, which uh, I you can imagine is gone, <laughs> and it's gone. Um, we already had that though. And he gave us on the pod. two cans of their twelve ounce. They canned their Doppelbox, so I have an extra can in the fridge for you. Thank you. That's very well. tasty sounding. Um, but the coup de gras was he got me dinner from Maine Brewing Company, which is a double IPA. Maine Brewing Company is kind of a, a little bit of a white whale for me. I'm trying desperately to get a hold of their beer. Uh, and I had that, and I even had a sticky hands right after it, just because I was kind of curious to see kind of the, the relationship of the double IPAs on the on the different coasts. The dinner was quite good. Were you loaded after the two of them? I was, I, I was feeling it, for sure, especially <laughs> as a non-double IPA drinker. Um, the sticky was pr is probably better. I mean, it was a little more fresh, but the dinner wasn't that old. Maybe two, three weeks tops. Um, but it was it was so delightful, and I was really, really happy that the hype was kind of true on this brewery, and that I really enjoyed it. And then I come to find out that Maine Brewing Company is about to do a Portland drop um, with lunch, which is the one I've been really dying for. I'm really trying to find lunch. And uh, some other thing that apparently they're only making for the Portland area, so it should be fresh. And I'm really, really, really excited. About I've never it. heard of that before. A brewery from elsewhere in the country making a specific beer just for a different market. Well, I don't know if it's a specific beer, but I think their batches are just for this market. Right. Because, I mean, it's pandemic, so they're probably just like, where can we shove this beer? <laughs> I suppose that's true. But so, maybe it is like a West Coast IPA. They wanted to make it an sure. ode, ode to Oregon. So know. keep your eyes peeled for the main brewing stuff because I'm really excited about it. I'm going to be drinking a ton of it. I, I told Dave at Bridgetown that I promise I won't buy the case. And he laughed. He was like, I don't care. And I was like, you do. So I won't buy the case. <laughs> maybe I'll just go to four different places and buy it from each. <laughs> I did find, by the way, it's called Aquavit. 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 Yeah. 
Uh, that's what it was. It was Aqua V Barrel Aged Stout, which makes sense because Portland does a big Aqua V Week where then you make a bunch of different cocktails using Aqua V. I'd never heard of it, and I tried it because it was unique, and I it's quite fancy. enjoyed it. It's um, fancy. I also had my Week in Beer uh, Instagram posts, which uh, I went a little overboard this week. I, as I said in the post, I stopped hitting the wall. I finally was excited about the beer on the shelf again this week, which is why I kept yes. buying every single thing that I saw. So I got two Rubens. I got Bits Ear and Bob's Ear, the double I, IPA. I saw that. I almost got it, but you know I'm not the double IPA guy and already went through a big double aren't. IPA phase. And then I got their blimey, 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 that's bitter triple IPA. Because <laughs> why not, baby? Because, I mean, yeah, why not? It's me. I like high ABV beers. Uh, I got the Away Days Heavy Metal Football Black IPA. I got the Wayfinder Gravity Drop Baltic Style Porter. I got the Cold Fire Modern Currency Pale Ale. I got Lil Dab from Block 15. I also got Tough Sledding, which was a Block 15 Ruse collab. I got Binary Brewings uh, Stout. I forget the exact name of it. Oh, it was a Milk Stout. And then I got a beer that I brought up the podcast last year, the Old Town Treat Yourself IPA made uh, with chocolate. Yes, yes, I remember that. Uh, it, my favorite out of all of them uh, is probably a tie between Cold Fire's Pale Ale and the Binary Brewing Stout, the Milk Stout. So Binary Brewing is based in Beaverton. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's this tiny little thing that used to have a different name, and they've rebranded. And it's like in the back of like a weird little like corner lot of something. I've driven past it a million times. I've never been there. But they started canning a lot. Mm. And I was like, okay, it's a Milk Stout style that I love. Let me give it a try. It was really good. So I'm going to give a little bit more uh, love to Binary coming up and seeing if I enjoy some of their beers. Excellent. And they also, I read online that they're opening up a brick and mortar, like a true brick and mortar that they're going to open up in downtown Beaverton. So dare I say they're more nano brewery? They are. They are a, like leaving the nano brewery, turning into the like small craft brewery right now. Gotcha. But they're buying in central beaverton kind of like of course they are kind of like our friends at brewery 26 they're in yes. that they're in that transition. they're transitioning cool cool good um, for them so those are my favorites uh the tough sledding which was block 15 and ruse was a hazy i was warned it was a hazy it's not labeled as a hazy but of course uh, it's not based on the description i had a feeling it might have been mm-hmm. and um boy was it a hazy <laughs> we'll just leave it at that uh everything else was was solid nothing really was uh it was disappointing or anything. I, I really enjoyed both Rubens beers I had. You don't taste too much of the alcohol, even in their in their double and triple IPAs they to make me. Great stuff. Um they're about to distribute to the UK. Really? Yep. That's cool. Isn't that rad? Yeah. So you in the UK can uh, can drink some fine Rubens beer. But yet another cold fire win for me as well. That yeah, pale right. Whew. What's up, guys? So good. So good. All right. So Oh, I drank some pizza port as well. There's a couple of Pizza Port beers in town, and so I, I jumped on that. And speaking of Pizza Port, Pint House. There's some Pint House stuff in town, too, I saw. I haven't had yet, but uh, they're out of Austin, Texas. Uh, one of the best breweries in the state of Texas. So if you Did see you say speaking some. of is because I thought Pizza Port was Pint, Pint House? Pint House Pizza. Yeah, it's Pint House Pizza and, and Pizza, Pizza Port. Port. Yeah, and Pizza no, Port's California. Yes. Okay. It's confusing. Yes. I remember not liking the pizza port one that I had that much. It was last year. I remember seeing it yeah, at, a, at I had, a bottle shop. I had and... their Swami last night, which was tasting really good. And then I have another one of theirs in the fridge that I haven't had yet. Okay, so on in the brews today, uh, we will be talking with Christina LaRue. She is from the Oregon Brewers Guild. Yep. and She, she runs the thing. She runs the thing. And uh, we met her last year, about almost a year ago, like... 13 months ago, basically. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We did that in February. Uh, we met her at Function and uh, for, for Oregon Brewers Month, 
And uh, we talked with her a little bit. She didn't come on the podcast that time, but we did chat with her afterwards. And uh, she's a cool, cool person. So we'll talk to her today about the proposed beer, wine, liquor tax. Yeah, that is currently in the House of Representatives here in the state of Oregon. It was re- uh, we are a very fan listener heavy show today. Just want to just want to preface this um, that there we we are men of the people. Yes, and we were asked. I was asked on Instagram to talk about this. I thought it'd be a great a great section for or a, a great choice for a show. And reached out to Christina, and she was more than happy to jump on because she's great. And so I figured that we'd do that. Our beer of the week is something that somebody mentioned to us on Instagram. And I was like, okay, let's do this. Okay. And then RJ hit me with the bombshell yesterday uh, before I found it on my news circuits, uh, which I guess we'll talk to a little bit. We won't let Christina get out without chatting a little bit about that because she is based in Bend, Oregon. Yeah, so we are going to react a little bit to what she talks about after the interview. Mm -hmm. But we're still going to open our In the Brews here with a little discussion about a big purchase. Uh, yeah. And may, maybe a bit of a surprising purchase. Uh, I, to say the least, I would think. Because this is not a brewery that has purchased other breweries in the past, correct? Correct. Uh, and this is honestly an OG buying an OG, which yeah. is incredibly strange. Yeah. Deschutes Brewing has purchased Boneyard. So. I, it still doesn't resonate quite yet. It's still a strange thing to me. It's very odd, especially I'm assuming the pandemic had a lot to do with this because I know that Boneyard uh, had just recently gone from their little garage spot to actually having a big open uh, place where they were brewing and a pub and food and all that kind of stuff. And the canning line showed up and now you can get Boneyard RPM six packs everywhere. After the pandemic started, they started canning, which they've never done. Right. And I... I wonder if it was like, we're really struggling. Let's do everything we can to make some money. And I'm sure they did well on the canning because people want to have RPM and they want to have yeah. Papa Wheelie and all, or Hoppa Wheelie and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I'm still drinking RPM six packs. Yeah, whenever I see it, I'll, I'll pick up one. Without um, a doubt. It's, an e- it's, it's like the new easiest six pack go-to beer. Yes, because you know it's fresh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mostly fresh. So it's, it's almost as if... That should have been a warning sign to us that there might have been some struggles going on for a brewery that had never really done that outside of distributing kegs. That's like a, hey, we need to make some money. Maybe this is them capitalizing and saying, look, Deschutes is doing fine. Deschutes has a ton of money. They want to offer to buy us, and that's going to make us escape our problems. And uh, maybe that's it. I don't know for sure, obviously. I'm just guessing. But when I first heard the news, I was like, man, maybe Boneyard was really struggling. They just needed some help. See, and I'm almost on the opposite side of it. And that's kind of why I don't understand. For a brewery that has put so much capital into expanding and growing, that's why I'm so confused by it. The timing, man. Yeah. The pandemic is brutal. The pandemic is brutal. It might be because of that. It's just such a strange thing to me. Now, I've had, I've had, you know, I've been on the phone for the last like two days with people and in, in person at, at shops and stuff like that. And it, you know, it, it's obviously dominating all of our conversations. And a lot of people, we, a lot of us still don't get it. And there's some things that have come across. Boneyard employees have asked if they still have a job and they have been offered jobs at Deschutes. So this is a full-on mm-hmm. buyout. Right. They're and not buying them to let Boneyard keep making their own beer. They're buying them they're to make absorbing the beer. it, yeah. yes. And so I don't know what this means for that pub. I guess it probably sounds like that pub's going to close. Because um, the shoots doesn't need two pubs within three blocks of each exactly. other. Exactly. Right? <laughs> um, so I just, I, 
I thought Boneyard was doing well. I didn't think that they would be in a position in which they needed help from somebody else. I mean, Boneyard has always been a place that, you know, they never wanted a can, they never wanted to open a pub, and they finally jumped in and did it. And pandemic or not pandemic, maybe being distributed in grocery stores isn't something that they're really comfortable with dealing with. And so they move it to Deschutes because they know what they're doing, obviously. Boneyard is a point blank client. Mm -hmm. Deschutes is a Columbia client. Where does that go? How does that happen? Point blank is not going to be pumped about losing one of their top brands. Of course. I mean, one of the top brands at, at point blank is Boneyard and Freem are probably their biggest accounts. Maybe Barley Brown's as well. I can't imagine they'd be super pumped to lose that. However, on the flip side, are we going to get better IPAs from Deschutes? Well, that's what that was going to be my thing. So for Deschutes, um, I've always been a big Deschutes supporter on this podcast. They were my first love in the city, and I still think they make good beer. But Deschutes has faded a bit recently because they're viewed as I don't want to I don't want to say this because it's it's like slanderous, but they're kind of viewed like big beer now in a way, right? Kind of, yeah. I mean, they're they're big. I mean, they're, and it's they're, not, they're it's, a top 10 brewery in America. Yeah. Top 10 independent craft brewery in America. It's not as if like... Easily the biggest in this state. It's not as if they're Budweiser or anything, but you see Deschutes everywhere. They've got big sponsorship deals. You know, they're doing that Blazer beer. You hear ads for, ads for that all over the place, the Rip City Lager. Mm-hmm. Um, they're huge. Mm-hmm. And although I think a lot of their beer is still quite good, a la Black View Porter is still solid. Uh, their Red Share is still incredible every single year. I love Jubilee. their Jubilee. Um, some, Obviously, the Abyss series. Yep. Some of their dissident. Some of their core IPAs have very much gone by the wayside. So they're. I, I I agree. Fresh squeezed. I think is. Well, I think they have. They stopped making fresh squeezed. Nope. Nope. It's their flagship. Like I hear commercials on the radio for it, and Deschutes Fresh Squeezed is just a real malty, not hop forward IPA. It's a very approachable IPA. Uh, in terms of yeah. like for non hop lovers, you yeah, can drink that I, easily. I guess so. And I always thought that the 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 naming of it um, is a little misleading. I think some people think it's a fresh hop beer, mm-hmm. and it's definitely not. Nope. Um, but yeah, so I'm hoping. I mean, you know, do we see Deschutes RPM? Well, you know, my, do we do we get that same beer but in a different label? I think what this does. Our RPM is the IPA in the state of Oregon. Yes, um, it is the IPA. Maybe maybe you have Wanderlust, Palette Jack. Those might be right there with it. No, it's RPM. But RPM is the dive bar IPA. Yeah. Every dive bar in Portland has RPM on draft. I so that to finish my my point is Deschutes, in my opinion, was falling behind in the IPA game. Their their specialty stuff was still very good. Their dark beers are still fantastic. You know, mm-hmm. Blackview Porter will always be legendary, and it's still porters aren't made that often anyway. So right. it's always going to hit the spot for someone looking for that kind of beer. But their IPAs have not been great lately. No, and so my question was, do they keep the Boneyard name at all, and they say this is Deschutes Boneyard RPM, or is Boneyard gone as a name? And it's just going to be the same beer with the same recipe. Because if so, that saves the shoots IPAs game IPA game really quick. Yeah, real quick. Because you're going to get multiple great IPAs. You're going to be able to put in your lineup. Because um, you know Boneyard does hops super well, right? And maybe that's it. It's we're going to boost our profile even more because yes, we 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 realize that we're lacking in the IPA game. Um, and yeah. We're just getting we're we're getting a bigger brand deal. In there, there is an aspect of this. Tony, the owner of Boneyard 
uh, well, I guess the former owner of Boneyard, uh, did used to work at Deschutes. Mm. He is a Deschutes guy that left Deschutes uh, to open Boneyard. And so there's a relationship there. I can't remember the owner of the Desch- of Deschutes right now, but those two worked together and back in the early, early days. So there is some of that like lineage there as well. It doesn't doesn't that kind of sound like the friend helping a friend out kind of thing then? Yeah, maybe. And but it's just I just it, it it's such an odd concept to me to think maybe Tony was tired of being in beer and wanted an out. And hey, getting your brewery bots a good well, out. Well, I'm right? pretty sure he's working for Deschutes still. Oh, is he gonna work there? Mm-hmm. Is so the, we don't have the financial terms of this, right? No, no, yeah, no. Okay. Uh, I haven't seen anything like that yet, and you know, I'll keep it updated as more of that comes across. I, t- I'm telling you, I don't get it. I, 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 I just don't understand it. I think I understand it. I mean, I mean, I'm, I don't, I don't know the answer to it, but the theories we're throwing around here make sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and we'll we'll know shortly. I imagine what's going to happen. Um, I mean, if. If employees are basically already being told, like, you have a job over here if you want it, that's moving pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So I imagine what becomes of it all will come down the pipeline shortly. Very, very interesting. But as somebody who often will buy beers from the grocery stores, it makes me happy that Deschutes will get RPM and other good beers that if they'll they be do. able to start selling. If they do. Well, then, okay. If they don't. <laughs> What on earth is the point? <laughs> yeah, I would agree. I would agree. <laughs> um, but isn't it funny? It's like, like we were, you were talking, I almost made this joke, like, move over, Bend, Oregon. Here comes Beaverton. Right. But I mean, like, I feel like this is a big hit on Bend, Oregon as being this beer capital in America of one of the, the top five most prominent craft beer cities in America. I'd put Bend, Oregon on that list. Mm-hmm. I'd put Portland on there as well. We can have two cities. No offense to the Eugenes and the coast and stuff like that and Hood River, but- you know, in America, you've got San Diego, Austin, Texas, Asheville, North Carolina, Bend, Oregon, and Portland, Oregon. I mean, like, that might be your five biggest <laughs> beer cities in, in America. You got Seattle. You know, you can yeah. throw that in there. Yeah, they're coming, you know, in the Bay Area. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff. But, I mean, Bend, Oregon's on that list. and Minneapolis, Chicago are growing Boneyard's as well. Boneyard's a big reason why you're on that list. Yeah. And... I, I, I don't know. It'll, it'll, it's going to be an, an interesting scientific experiment to see how this all plays out. Well, you still got Worthy. You still got Sun River. You still got Deschutes. Yeah, and I'm, we're loving Ben Brewing Company. Yep. Uh, I know, still good love, life. I still love Crux. Good Life is down there. Yep. So, I mean, they've still got good breweries in Ben. Yep. Silver Moon. Yep. Yep. So, isn't uh, Spider City down there, Spider too? City's down there. And if you they're wanna, a newer and one. if you want to count, like, Wild Ride and Redmond, you can do that as well. Three Creeks is down yeah, there. that's the region, the Bend the region. The region, sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it. it is strange. It is certainly a big, uh, bombastic bomb to the brewery world. But uh, I could see the reasoning for it. And I guess we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll keep tabs on it, and we'll see... Just how soon you're going to see Deschutes RPM on the shelves? <laughs> yeah, and and we'll we'll ask I'll ask Christina. We'll finish it up and I'll I'll get her out on that question and just ask her because she's down there. I'm just going to ask her what the hell's going on. What's going on in your city, girl? Can you tell us? Do you know anything? Because <laughs> we were supposed to interview her at. She had to push back the interview today. She was like, "It's just one of those days," and I'm like, "Hmm, I wonder why." <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break. Coming up next, we will talk to Christina LaRue as she will discuss the bill that has been proposed that would hike the tax quite a bit on beer, liquor, and wine in the state, as well as, I guess, ask her about what's going on down Bend with the Deschutes buying Boneyard News. That is next. Beers on us. Mike Lynch, Patrick Harris. 
Welcome back into Beers on Us. We have an interview for the first time in a, in a hot minute on the podcast as we're going to be joined by Christina LaRue from the Oregon Brewers Guild. We actually met her last year, about 12 months ago exactly, uh, at Function. And we talked to her, not on the podcast, but on the side. And we were chatting with her after the podcast there. So uh, thanks for coming on this week, Christina. Thanks for having me. Gosh, yeah, I guess it has been a year. <laughs> yeah, can you believe that? We chatted, and who would have known a month after that? We're all, like, celebrating Oregon Beer Month. Or, or, right. And then a month later, everything just goes to kaput. Just stopped. <laughs> I, just, was, I still am trying to wrap my brain around that we've been in this for a year. It was a good thing you guys had uh, Oregon Brewers Month on in February before everything closed down. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, you could have been stuck, like, Portland Dining Month, those, that poor thing. That's halfway through, oh. and then it just, adios. There's a light at the t- at the end of the tunnel, though. I feel. I feel like we're getting there. We got dates for vaccines. We got dates. We're excited. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so we're we're bringing Christina on today because there is a bill in the House of Reps here in Oregon that would increase, which is probably a kind word to use, the tax on craft beer, wine, and liquor in the state of Oregon. And Christina and all the craft breweries are getting together to try to oppose this tax being thrown out there. So Christina, instead of me, you know, trying to give all the details, you, you would know more than I would. So uh, share with our listeners what's going on here and, and why specifically you guys oppose it. Oh, sure. So this is House Bill 3296. Um, it is a bill that's basically it's designed to kill Oregon alcohol um, across the board. Um, it will increase beer and cider tax by almost 3,000%. So you're going from 260 a barrel, and a barrel is roughly you know, 31 gallons, to 72.60 a barrel. And then um, you're looking at wine is, is staring down like a 1,700% tax increase. So they're going from 65 cents a gallon to 10.65 a gallon. Um, and granted, like the, the reasoning behind their bill, you know, we fully understand it's, it's, the fact that addiction and recovery services in the state is ranked, you know, in I think the bottom three in the nation. And it definitely needs more support. There's not enough funding going into those programs, but this is not how you do it. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, the, the addiction issue is definitely a huge thing. I mean, it probably is a probably the biggest factor in our homeless crisis that we have here as well. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. It's so if it kind of sounds like, you know, I am all for helping this addiction recovery and mental health services in the state. It sounds like what you're saying is that they're choosing the wrong way to go about finding the money. Absolutely. Absolutely. This this would just, it would kill the industry. I mean, an industry that's already struggling, you know, the, the alcohol industry, the beer and wine industry paired with restaurants and bars and pubs have been one of the hardest hit during this last 12 months. And you know, it's, it's surprising to see any tax increase in a pandemic <laughs> being proposed. I got my this rent raised ludicrous. in the middle of pandemic, so I know exactly, exactly what you're talking about. My rent right? went up a little and bit too, yeah. <laughs> it's, but this this is outrageous. This is ludicrous. This is, um, you know, and, and Mike Marshall, who's the ED for Oregon Republicans, has even made the statement um, in an interview that if you increase the, the, the cost of alcohol, you decrease consumption. But their goal with this with this bill is to raise money for these programs. But you're going to kill the industry that you're trying to tax. Um, so it just it's we're we've been trying to wrap our brain around it for the last it, what it dropped last Tuesday. Um, so it's been a very busy week. <laughs> yeah, it does. You mentioned the pandemic. It seems like 
really, really terrible timing to try to bring a billet like this in. It's not as if the craft beer industry and the wine industry is doing fantastic right now. I mean, some places no. are doing fine, but generally places are all month to month just trying to figure it out and trying to survive until we can open our doors again and, mm-hmm. and start doing life as quote unquote normal as we can. So it, it almost, I mean, may, maybe this is wrong and it's just the way that I read it. It almost kind of seems cruel. It's like, not just to, for the positive reason, which I agree with both of you, that yes, I mean, we need to right. fund addiction centers and recovery centers, but it almost kind of seems a little bit like also just an attack on the liquor industry kind of for no reason. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, there's there's some misinformation that's being said from the other side where Mr. Marshall has this statement that he uses in all of his interviews where he says it's a simple 21 cent increase on a 12 ounce beer to the consumer that it won't affect the producer. And the fact is it's not a sales tax, right? If it was a simple sales tax, yes, it would go straight to consumer. Fine. But this it's an excise tax, right? So the producer is being taxed. Then what I tried to explain to them is by the time a pint hits the bar to the consumer, that keg has been sold twice already. So you're selling that keg to the distributor for a certain price. That distributor wants their profit margin met. So there's a 30% increase on the cost of the keg to the retailer. And now the retailer has a profit margin that they need to meet. So it's, it's not a simple, oh, it just goes to the consumer. It's, you're, it's a ripple effect. So then, so then I guess, so I guess the, 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 the real question is, or kind of like, what, what is the solution? So how, how are you guys combating this? What, what is the Oregon Brewers Guild doing on behalf of all the, all the uh, breweries in this state? What is your guys' approach to battling this bill? Well, so we are part of a statewide alcohol coalition called the Oregon Beverage Alliance. Um, we've been working together actually for a while now, um, we were anticipating this bill to, to be released because there was that proposal to Governor Brown before she released her proposed budget to Salem. So we've been anticipating this, and um, it's a joint coalition. It's beer, wine, cider, um, distillers, distributors, all working together to just really get out the same message. Um, we hired a PR firm that has created um, a website called don'ttaxmydrink.org. Um, and there's a petition on that website that anyone can sign. It automatically gets sent to um, your senators and your House of Representatives. Um, you just put your information in there and your zip code, and it sends it right on. Um, I believe we've hit about the 10,000 letter mark from that petition alone. Um, social media, I did a call to action yesterday with all of our members. Um, now that the bill has been moved over to committee, now it's with the House Committee on Behavioral Health. We've asked our membership, um, as well as you know everybody else in the coalition has done the same, to have your members reach out directly to the list of representatives on that committee, share their stories, share what this bill will actually do to their businesses, because it's, it, it's a reality that these folks are going to face if this bill passes. And that reality is loss of business, loss of revenue, job losses, and potential closures across the state. Christina LaRue joining us here on Beers on Us from Oregon Brewers Guild. Uh, I know this is only a week or so old now, but what is your kind of gut feeling or at least the, the vibe that you're getting from everybody involved in this in terms of which way this might be leaning at this point early on in the process? Because, I mean, 
for those right. of us who love beer and and you know have some sort of functioning job through beer, yeah, it seems patently ridiculous. But is that only right. because we love craft beer, or is that kind of a thought generally from what you've heard that people are going to be like, yeah, that's a good cause, but you're going to kill things that make Oregon Oregon too? Um, generally across the gamut, like public wise, um, you know, the, the story is all over social media right now. And the majority of the comments from the public are in support of, of brewers and, and, you know, the wineries and the cideries that this, this bill needs to not pass. Um, we've, we've been working with our lobbyists as well and having meetings and conversations with our state representatives, um, on both the house and the Senate. Um, and the conversations that we've had up till now have, we felt have been pretty positive. Um, a lot of those conversations are hard nosed as far as they don't support it. Um, those that are either on the fence or questionable, um, it's more of this type of increase is unacceptable, like, and especially during a pandemic. And, you know, would there be a conversation of a lower rate down the line, you know, once, once Oregon has recovered from COVID? Um, so we feel. Would you I mean, guys not, be a, would you guys here. be amenable to that, like compromising on you this, know, or I d- not on this? Absolutely not. Not right now. No, we are a hard no on this. And again, we we support the reason behind it, right? As as people who work in alcohol, we take a res- you know we have a responsibility for what we create. Exactly. And um, knowing that our responsibility is to follow the law, and you know ensure that it's not getting into the hands of underage drinkers um but these services you know that are funded already by by the state budget the excise taxes that are being um taken by the state from the alcohol industry of those oh i'd have to do the math on the the total amount that the state collects it's in the millions already only three and a half percent of those dollars are currently being funded into these programs Sounds like that's where your problem is right there. You can just change how the funding is working, right? So why don't we start there, you know, instead of of bringing forth such a ridiculous tax increase, why don't we look at the current system and figure out where it's broken and see if we can't reallocate funding into these programs? And then we can, you know, continue the conversation. So, um I don't know. We we're, we're hopeful. We're hopeful that it's not going to pass out of committee. Um, we're we're waiting for it to move to public testimony. So we're anticipating that to happen maybe next week um, at the earliest. And once that happens, we're going to ask you know our membership to um, to offer up public testimony, whether it's via I mean in person via Zoom or written testimony. Again, just sharing stories are impactful. Right. And so many of our members are still struggling, just trying to keep their head above water. Um, And recovery is going to be slow. This isn't going to happen overnight. If you look at year end total barrelage um, sold in the state of Oregon for beer, 2019 versus 2020, it's you. We had a loss of almost 400,000 barrels. That's a lot of beer. It's a lot of beer, (laughs) you know, which equates to a lot of money for these businesses. So we're just going to keep fighting hard. <laughs> Christina, I've got I've got kind of a two part question to, to kind of wrap this up and then we'll move on to okay. happier thoughts. Um, yeah. <laughs> what does so my my two part is this. What does this do? Does this affect in any way 
big beer that's being sold in the state of Oregon, like Budweiser, stuff like that? Because I would argue that stuff tends to be, you know, malt liquor. That stuff tends to be more of the traditional kind of addicts route. And my second part is, do these lawmakers that are pushing this bill, do they not understand that the alcohol industry is one of our probably top five biggest industries in the entire state? I, mean, I think I, they do. Do, do I sound I stupid and like signs. you don't see that uh, that this is uh, a big part of what we do here? Well, I just think that it's um, perhaps it's a, lo- a, a lack of, of knowledge on how excise tax works on their part. I think that they do understand that we are, I believe, um, the Oregon alcohol industry is the third largest revenue generating industry in the state. And so, you know, that equates to dollar signs. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, they don't understand the difference between a sales tax and an excise tax. Um, and unfortunately, like the wine producers, it's going to be more revenue for them. It's going to be cheaper for them to sell their wine out of the state of Oregon, right? Their profit margin is going to be higher than selling. So they'll, they'll grow their, their grapes here. They'll make their wine in Oregon and then they'll export it out. And that doesn't sound fun. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. And sounds great it, for the other states, it's unfortunate. though. <laughs> yeah, it's it's truly unfortunate. Um, I think I missed the first part. Can you repeat what the first sure, part? Sure, sure. My question is: is how, this? It sounds like this doesn't affect things coming oh, the into beer. the state yeah. from out of the state. So if your if your Anheuser Busch makes it in St. Louis, uh, that's not. They don't feel any it, of that here, do they? Well, it's not necessarily. So, you know, sometimes with, with places like AB, um, they not only are they producing the beer, but then they also have warehouses here, right, mm-hmm. distributors. So when you're, when you're importing in, or exporting into a state, right, you're exporting to a state, it's going to be the distributor that's going to pay that tax. So even if, if that Anheuser-Busch distributor is paying the tax on it, they're still paying the tax. Either way, and plus AB has, you know, companies like Ten Barrel here in the state that mm-hmm. produce in Oregon. This bill will affect everyone. It's not just a it's not just a small craft brewer. This is this is everyone in the alcohol industry across the gamut will be affected. Maybe this is the first time we actually call the big boys and ask them for a little bit of help. <laughs> <laughs> right? I know you got money coming out the ears, so just send some of your lobbyists down and help us out. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe I should make a call to and see what they've got i'm sure that they're on it though i mean it's it's this is and we're starting to get nationwide um coverage on this like brew bound i believe has a has an article um being prepared to come out so um yeah it's it's not just it won't just affect oregonians all right, let's let's shift to some happier thoughts, huh? How about that? You good with that? Great. All right. Yeah. Also, also, we want to get your take on some confusing thoughts as well. Yeah. So let let's oh, start okay. let's start with uh, let's start with a state of excitement, the collab that you guys yeah. have been doing for a little while now. Tell us about this round. So we um, the state of excitement collab. We we started it. Oh God, like two years ago was Bookomania, um, and last year with the pandemic. You know, the, the Guild financially was hit hard because, you know, we lost our in-person events. Um, so moved to this project because um, it's a fundraising project for the Guild. And this go-around, this was number four. Um, our host brewery was Stormbreaker in Portland. Um, Dan and Rob and that team are amazing. And um, we partnered with 27 different breweries from across the state. 
And it's a, we called it a, it's a West Coast IPA. We really enjoy that traditional, you know, West Coast, Pacific Northwest style of IPA. Thank you. So do um, we. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we had all of the, uh, the raw materials and the packaging were donated. Um, Craft Canning came in and, and packaged it for us at no cost. And um, you can find it at any of those 27 breweries. If you go to um, the Guild's IG account or our Facebook and scroll through, um, there's images and whatnot, and all of those breweries are tagged. So you can um, reach out to them and see if they still have it available. And then also, you know, you're you're a Bendite or however you, whatever you guys say, Bendian. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Deschutes shooketh the craft beer world yes. in Oregon by purchasing Boneyard, an OG, <laughs> purchasing an OG, which is very strange. What the hell's going down down and, there? And we spent a little time <laughs> trying to figure it out on the podcast before bringing you in. What's your what's your thought on this? What is going on? I was I was just as surprised. I was you know working away yesterday and saw the um, the Brewbound article popped up in my email box and instantly I had text messages and phone calls <laughs> like what is happening? Um, I don't know. I mean it. I thought about it yesterday. You know I read through the article. Um, it's you know they're coming at it from a joint venture. Um, I think they just both, the pandemic really hit our industry hard. And, um, you know, even big boys like to shoot. And I think it was just maybe good timing and they both needed support. And, you know, Tony's, he's at Tony's an OG of to shoot. So um, I think it just made sense. And I think that they'll support each other. I think um, from what I read, Tony will still manage the Boneyard brand. You know, Boneyard's not going away. Um, he'll keep ownership of the Boneyard pub here in Bend. Uh, and then his just his production team will become Deschutes employees, which, you know, could be beneficial because they, they gain partial ownership in yeah. the company. It's employee-owned. Um, Deschutes has kind of paved the way as a, as a brewery owner. Like being, being an employee, Deschutes has done a lot for those of us that work in the beer industry. Absolutely. You know, they, they, they paved the way for Bend Beer. You know, yeah. Central Oregon now has, what, 27, 28 breweries between Bend, Redmond, Sun River, Prineville, Sisters. So, um, and it's, it's all thanks to Deschutes. You know, Gary has led the, the good fight for a long time. So I think it's a good thing. I think that, um, you know, it's an interesting partnership, but I think they'll they'll definitely support one another. One thing that we had guessed at, you know, before bringing you on, is like, well, the pandemic probably hit Boneyard pretty hard. We saw them start canning, which they've never done before. And they had yeah. just opened up their brick-and-mortar pub as well before the pandemic hit, so the timing wasn't great. But we were curious, and it sounds like it's not going to be the case. We were like, well, maybe Deschutes is going to absorb the IPAs because, at least in our opinion, that's kind of the area in Deschutes Brewery that's lacking right now. You know, they've got their right. seasonals that are great, and you've got Blackview Porter and all that, but the IPAs have kind of been floating around a little bit, and it would give them a solid IPA base to go from. But it doesn't sound like that's going to be the case if they're going to, you know, no. Boneyard's going to keep the brand. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I think they just, you know, I think Deschutes is – when I think of Deschutes, I think of their flagships. You know, I think of Blackfeet Porter, I think of Mirror Pond, um, and perhaps it's a, you know, it's to to gain access to the younger drinker, um, you know, who Boneyard really taps into, um, with especially with RPM. So, 
yeah, it's it's definitely going to be an interesting um, dynamic to watch. <laughs> I'm glad that you know Boneyard isn't going away. I'm glad that they're going to retain um, the beers and the branding. Um, I love their pub. You know, when last year when everything shut down, it it definitely broke my heart. So um, I'm looking forward to be able being able to go and sit at the Boneyard Pub again. Last thing, we'll get you out on this. Do you think this? Do you think this is just a one-off anomaly, or do you think we might see some of this? more of like larger breweries kind of teaming up with smaller ones sure there's ownership and money at stake but kind of joining together you think this is just a a a Deschutes Boneyard OG love affair or do you think we'll see more of this you know that's an interesting question um I think pre-pandemic you know the whole idea of of mergers or acquisitions has always been you know you think of big beer right you think AB or Miller Coors um this may be paving the way for it to not be um, so taboo, per se. You know, as long as it's a it's a craft beer, craft beer, you know. Um, yeah, because at first, yeah, everybody's like, oh, my God, Boneyard sold what? And you're like, okay, well, time out. It's not, it's, it's not, it's not the same as when Ten Barrel or Hop no. Valley did it. No, no, I don't think. I think this is more... If they if they stay true to you know how they how it read in the article, it's more of a partnership, right? It's a joint venture that will support both brands. And I think if it's successful, um, then it could be it, it could potentially be a new model, especially post pandemic. You know, this even with the the federal funding through PPP and whatnot, breweries are struggling, and you know to to have that opportunity of you know, maybe partnering with someone where, you know, the financial support is there and on one side and the branding support is there on the other side. I, I think it could be a, I don't know, I think it could be a beautiful thing. Christina LaRue, Oregon. As long as they don't lose track, you know, they don't lose their own identities. You know, I think that's the important part. Yeah, stay true to yourself. Definitely. Christina yeah. LaRue, Oregon Brewers Guild. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't taxmydrink.org yeah. is where you can go if you want to sign the petition, if you are opposing the uh, House bill to hike the tax rate up quite high on beer, wine, liquor, (laughs) ciders in the States. So don't tax my drink.org is where you can find that. If you'd like to sign the petition, Christina, thanks so much for joining us to explain it all. And uh, hopefully you guys get a good win on this. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Anytime. Thanks to Christina LaRue for coming on the podcast. That was a really good interview and was particularly eye opening to me because you know, you read the bill, and I think instantly all of us go like, well, that seems unfair. Like, it's like too much of a tax increase. Mm-hmm. But hearing her talk about it and kind of what she's been hearing around, and it's almost as if it's almost as if the lawmakers' hearts are in the right place, but they don't really get what this tax is going to do to the industry. That's kind of what I got from her as well. Like, it, it, it seems... It, it, it all seems simple when you're like, oh, this will just go down to the consumer. A, you know, a, a 20 cent raise on the pint to a consumer, that's no big deal, right. especially for for a great cause. I have no problem paying 20 cents more, especially if it's going to help, no. you know, addiction and mental health crisis. If she said that uh, and that was what it was, I'd be like, yeah, OK, sure. I'll pay 520 or 570 or sure. whatever it is. I got yeah. no issue with that. Yeah. But she's right. When you break it down, I, I thought one of the most interesting things she said was, remember, that keg's already been sold twice. She's totally right. Mm-hmm. She's 100% right. It has been sold twice. The buck has already been passed on to the consumer. But now it sounds like that tax hits every stop along the way. And so 
it doesn't seem logical to me. Right. And in in the article I was reading about this, um, it was the culmination owner. I don't know his name, but he, he said that this will shut us down. If they pass this, we the taxes will be higher than our net profits. Mm. And we won't be able to exist as a brewery anymore. And that's culmination. Now, they're not huge, but right. they've been here for many years. They're they've an established a, brand. Got a strong name, yep. Uh, they, they make good beer. Yep, they got good canning. They, you know, they, they have a lot of distribution within the area. If they're saying their net profits wouldn't be able to cover the tax... How many breweries does that mean the same thing? Yeah, for? I know. I'd be interested. I'd be interested to chat with, you know, with like a, a Josh Freem. You know, I'd be interested like that. One of the, you know, a smaller brewery, a smaller quote unquote brewery, but very high profile. That could shut him down. If it's going to shut Culmination down, it could shut Freem down. And I'd be interested, you know, we, we chatted, you know, some Boneyard Deschutes stuff. I'd be interested to see it from a Deschutes level. Right. Like, what kind of money are you going to pay for taxes? Because that, I know it might shut down the little guy, too, but it might shut down the big guy, too, because that number just goes up and up and up. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it. it in some ways, when I read about it, I thought it almost felt like a direct shot at the liquor industry. Mm-hmm. Alcohol is a better word. Alcohol industry in the state. It's almost as if the guy who, who opened up the bill had... A vendetta against alcohol. Yeah. And when I was reading it, that's how it felt mm-hmm. to me. And it was like, this is something we need. So let me mask killing the alcohol industry in a positive spin. You know how politics works. Sure. It's, it's shady as hell. The way she described it makes me take a step back from that thought. Maybe I'm still right. Maybe she's trying to be nice about it and isn't trying to, you know, throw too many barbs or anything. But maybe it is just a, a simple misunderstanding of how this tax is going to affect breweries and 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 the wineries and all that kind of stuff in the state. And at some point down the line, reopening talks on this to do it in a way that's feasible. Uh, you know, because that's why I asked the question to her. Are you amenable to coming to a compromise? And she said, absolutely not. Not yeah, on this. I, w- I was surprised to hear that. It was just like, nope. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's how serious this is. Well, it's, be- it's because of the timing of it. Right. It's because all of these industries are massively struggling right now. And although there is a light at the end of the tunnel, how long is it going to take all of these places to kind of bounce back after the pandemic? It's not going to be like, hey... In July, we're all vaccinated enough to open things up normally and we can go do stuff. It's not like in August, all these places are going to be like, hey, we're back to normal. No, No, like it's going to take up to a year or more for a lot of these places to kind of get their feet back under them. I talk about it a lot with downtown. I mean, downtown is in ruins, basically, and it's going to take Portland five to ten years to get back to where it was pre-protests and pandemic and all that kind of stuff. Homeless problem and all that kind of stuff. So. It's not as if it's going to be like, hey, we're going to institute this tax on you in September, but you'll have recovered by then. You'll be able to deal with it. No. Like, you're going to shut down 60% of the industry. And that's just a rough guess, but just based on you know what we've talked about in, mm-hmm. in the years over the podcast about how many live on, how many breweries and wineries and stuff live kind of near that edge. Um, you're going to shut down a ton of them just with this tax. And yes, it's for a good cause. I don't want anybody to get this misconstrued or anything. Of course, there needs to be more money in in uh, into these services to help those who have uh, addiction problems. But they don't have addiction problems from drinking craft beer, probably not, or local wine, or I'm sure some, aviation gin. Okay. I'm sure some do, but generally speaking, no. They're going for the quick, easy, cheap stuff that that's easy to to get. Um, and you're going to kill, as Christina said, the third highest grossing revenue thing in the state of Oregon, just to. Do something that is good, 
but you're going to do something really bad too. Yeah, fine. And obviously, we're very biased about mm. this, but I think logically, if you take your craft beer fan hat off, it just doesn't make sense to kill an industry based on one thing. Yeah, find the money elsewhere. And I, I and why is the tax so high? That's why I thought it yeah. was a vendetta. Well, and and kind of what I from get two dollars to seventy two dollars. Honestly, what I got from Christina F. and you know, this is just my opinion. These are my personal beliefs following Oregon legislature for the last year and a half. This sounds very, to be honest, just uneducated. It sounded like someone had this half brained idea and said, this is where we'll do it. And now I'm sticking with it. And all the people that ride that side are going to be sticking with that too, but they haven't actually thought about it. It's like, it's like a Brexit thing. It's like, this is a really great idea. Well, actually, if you look at it, it's really not a good idea. And it's like, nope, it's my idea. I'm sticking with it. It sounds like what I got from her is it sounds like this was created without doing your research mm -hmm. because you're right. Because yes, she said, all they're seeing is look at how much revenue this industry provides. They're not thinking about the, the amount of revenue that will decrease if if it's 60%, hell, if it's 30%, that is a huge chunk to take away from the state. Well, and if it's as simple as excise tax versus sales tax, I mean, if they change it to sales tax, I, I think that would be a big difference, right? Right? You yeah. charge everybody 20 cents more per pint over the year, that extra money will go to the addiction centers. Sure. That sounds fantastic. If it doesn't affect the breweries, if it doesn't affect the wineries, if it doesn't affect the cideries and the and the uh, distilleries, then outside of just what they charge the consumer, then absolutely fantastic. But that's the one thing that concerns me is, again, the person, the people who, who have sponsored this bill to go in, the quotes that we've seen from them say, this will also decrease the amount of alcohol that is consumed. Mm-hmm. Technically, he is correct. Yes, you are correct. Because you're going to shut it all down. But, right. Um, so with that thought, that gives me still that worry that it's not a misunderstanding, that it's a vendetta. Yeah. And that's where it kind of it makes me nervous. And that's why I asked her the question, what are you getting the vibe off of this? Like, is this really a serious threat to pass or is it just kind of a, a you know, random one representative threw this out there and was like hey this is my idea and now they're good putting it through the house or is it like big swell of support for it she said it didn't seem like there was a big swell of support for it yeah. most people are saying it's pretty ridiculous the the raise in the taxes and all that kind of stuff and i don't think she even mentioned this but this would put you might have mentioned this earlier this would put oregon as the most highly alcohol tax state in the country that was probably a poor way to word it, but it would be the <laughs> it would be the state with the highest taxes on alcohol in the country. Yeah, yeah, and that to me instantly, and that to me doesn't make sense for a lot of reasons. A, we are not one of the larger economic states. You know, you'd look at more like a California, New York, Illinois, Texas. Texas. Yeah. You'd look at those kind of states as having a lot more, a lot more economic status in this country as far as states go. To do this to Oregon, and look, we have we have or. Oregon legislators, uh, not all of them, a lot of them are, 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 are good and good at their job and care, but some of them, we've seen this, they walk out on sessions, they don't want to be there, it's like, why are you an elected official when you don't want to do anything, and they clearly have their agendas, whether it's, you know, a, a, a national thing going on, I'm trying to, you know, toe the line here and not mm -hmm. offend anybody, but it's almost like, yeah, that there's these agendas that it's almost like you don't care and you're not thinking about stuff, and that's dangerous. That's very, very dangerous. Do the research, do the education, teach yourself, treat yourself, and 
make the solid choice. Let us know what you guys thought of the interview, and uh, you can let us know on Instagram.com slash beers and us. You can DM us, or you can message us on our personal pages. I'm at Mike Lynch 27 on Twitter. Patrick is at P Diddy 85 on both Twitter and easily, Instagram. Easily one of my favorite interviews we've ever done. Yeah, that was a really good easily. one. I, I very much enjoyed it. So let us know what you think, and uh, remember, subscribe, rate, review wherever you find us, and uh, download the episodes because it helps. All right, Beer of the Week, next. Beers on us, Mike Lynch, Patrick Harris. Beer of the Week time! Here on Beers and Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Two for two, baby. You said this is a fan service Beer of the Week. This is a fan service Beer of the Week. As we both finish what's left in our glass. (laughs) As we uh, often talk about, the good old friends at Block 15 in Corvallis, Mm -hmm. this is their selection series of IPAs with the single hops. I saw somebody, who was it who messaged us I can't remember. I'll pull it up, you talk. Um, but uh, this is it. So I found the mosaic from Coleman Ag in Gervais, Oregon. What's really cool about this, it's 7%. Uh, full disclosure, I drank three of these last night. Um, <laughs> um, what's really cool is this has got a lot of like nerdy, nerdy stuff on it. It has the alpha acids, beta acids, all the different oils, like the percentages and stuff. Stuff past my pay grade, but I just think it's really, really flipping cool. It was Taylor who sent this. Yeah, I of thought course. it was Taylor. Yeah. Uh, hot profile notes on here. Nick says blue raspberry, pineapple, honeydew, complex. Matt says tropical fruit, melony, tiny blueberry, big pineapple, very bright and expressive. So interesting. Both have pineapple and blueberry as flavors in there. That's, mm-hmm. Blueberry is one that we've seen on a couple of cans recently that I've never really thought of as an IPA flavor. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I taste the blueberry. Yeah. And you don't love pineapple, so you might have... Well, I guess if you had three of these yesterday, you do love pineapple. <laughs> I was like, don't have the fourth one. You need this for tomorrow. <laughs> um, but another thing that I really, really love that they do on the side of this is Hop also found in Sticky Hands, Fluffhead, Story of the Ghost, and the Dab Lab Lil Dab. Mm, so okay. that's kind of cool. It's like, oh, do you like Mosaic? Do you like how we how we play with Mosaic? These are the other beers you should taste. Cool. Well, let's, uh, let's give it a try. And let's I, give it a try. I drank these straight out of the can, so I don't know what they look like, but I can see the top, and I'm like, oh, right, Block 15. Yeah. Well, it's a, yeah. You're going to get a little haze on their beer. A little bit. Although Lil Dab didn't have a lot of haze, from what I remember. Nope. But just the aroma is just incredible. It is just hot bursting, hot bursting, which is pretty rad. You oh smell yeah. That? Yeah. Well, this is one of those reasons that I love Mosaic so much and mm-hmm. why I picked it for our our beer of the week with Barrelic drink uh, last or last year now. Yeah, last year. Um it's the smell. Mm-hmm. And actually that with Strata and they put Simcoe in that beer too. The the nose on that beer was like it just was like infiltrating your nostrils. Yeah. And that's what I get with this one too. Just instantly you get a little bit of like that like diesel-y, like hopness right mm-hmm. off the top, right right off the top of your nose. And I then, get a, uh, I get a touch vegetative, mm-hmm. but in a like pleasant kind of way. It's pretty soft. There's not a ton of bitterness. Well, I to say it. diesel in a pleasant hop kind sure, of way. Sure, sure. The, um, there's not a ton of bitterness to it. It's got a soft kind of body to it. But I just think just the upfront hop character on this is just really really fun. That's very interesting. You got a look of you got a look of thinking on you right now. Well, it, the eyebrows are kind of like hmm. it almost kind of is a hazy like. Kind of. I'm not, and not just because in the block 15 haze, but in the style of the sip, soft body, very soft, juicy mouthfeel, not a lot of bitterness. Um, I feel like 
the hop character kind of comes, goes, and then comes again with the mid palate being soft and not as bitter. And then the back end, you get the hop flavor. And obviously on the nose and the front end of the, of the sip, you get the hop flavor. It's almost like a single hop hazy IPA and it's, it's, it's doing pretty well. It's doing pretty well. Yeah, I really like this. I mean, obviously, I mean, I, I drank three of them last night, but I think these these are cool things to these kind of series. And I remember seeing it when Taylor reached out and told us about it. I I instantly got really excited because this is the kind of things that I think the IPA world needs more of and not, you know, not lactose and puree and all this garbage, but just find ways to continue to educate continue to learn and the information on that can is baller yeah it's amazing and that is the kind of stuff that i that i think we could use more of in the hop world you know i don't think we're there yet as far as like loggers and dark beers of getting as nerdy about that but we are such hop lovers in the northwest and in oregon specifically that People like a Block 15. I know Breakside's doing that with their uh, Strata, Strata, Strata. Their Pale Ale series, like they're focusing on a hop, sort of sim- similar to this sort of thing. That's what I want to see more of. I want to see more of like, let's play. Let Teach me something. I have been enjoying a ton of these single hop ones that I've been trying lately. I know Grains has been doing their single hop series as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had their Citra. Yeah, Grave Dancer, Crypt Keeper. Yep. Like, that's really cool stuff. I want more of that. I think that is a good way to break up the monotony of an IPA year Mm -hmm. is to focus solely on one hop. So people drinking it can realize what that hop tastes like Mm -hmm. in the beer that they're making. I think one thing that would be interesting, it might be too much, but I almost want, like if that was on the website, I almost want to hover over it and get more information. Like you said, like the... What you said, those like amino acids is on there. Alpha acids Alpha and beta acids. acids. I don't know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, if I could hover over it and tell me what that means, is there a way, although the can is frankly pretty busy to begin with, is there a way to put, like, a little note and say, this does this. In, in the simplest terms possible, this means this. You know, Because I'm... if you, you can throw this information at me, but if I don't know what it means... You're damn sure I'm not looking it up myself because I'm drinking beer. So, <laughs> I was going to say, just look it up yourself. No, tell me. <laughs> I am lazy. Spoon feed it to me. Tell me now. Tell me, please. Uh, I mean, look, if I'm on a Saturday drinking a beer, I'm not going to pour the beer and then be like, do, 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 what is alpha and beta? Acids oh, really? Mean? Oh, I do that stuff. Like, I think, I think I like it needs it. to be a little bit like that's good information, but I want to know a little more. Mm. So I don't know if there's a way to if it's just a little line that says alpha acids blank, then that's enough. And I'll be like, oh, okay, that's what it means. And if I want to do more research later, I can. But now this is just just numbers. So I like that they're doing it, but give me a little more. Uh, I think this beer tastes great. It's it's uh, not exactly what I wanted out of it based on the can and the description, mm-hmm. but it is great for what did what you it want? Is. Did you want like more bitterness, yeah. more West Coast? Yeah. Well, we picked the wrong brewery for that. Well, not necessarily, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, sure. I did have a pint of sticky hands yesterday, and I don't know, man. That think, beer is so good. I think these guys make great beer. That beer is so good. This is this is good though for for it being honestly, it's a hazy. For it being a hazy, it is a dynamite hazy. I think so too. Yes. I'm I'm with you. I'm willing to call this a hazy, and I'm willing to say that I quite enjoy it. Um, I also had this week. I forgot to bring it up in my week in beer, but I had the um, all seeing IPA. From Berlick? Yeah. Is that what it's called? Yeah. That's also a hazy. Um, or at least it has a bit of a haze in it. Really good. 
Really, really good. Shocker, my friend. I know. Ooh, that reminds me. I forgot. I am trying to have every single one of the uh, Brothers Cascadia collabs because John keeps hitting us up with that stuff. Isn't the month over? <clears throat> like, I, wasn't it collab February? February. Yeah. Collaborary. February collabs. <laughs> um, but I had the Logston Brothers uh, brother collab. <laughs> it was their Schwarz beer. It was mm, excellent. Good. It was great. It was also my first beer of the day, and it was with lunch. And I always feel like... If you want me to try your beer and just instantly love it, make it the first beer of my day. Because I'm usually like, that's tend to be that's where I tend to be the most adventurous too. Like if I've started drinking, then it's like, how long until I only drink IPAs for the rest of the evening? <laughs> you know. But if I start drinking, I'm way more open to try a Doppelbach, a Dunkel, a, a Schwarz beer, a Helles. You know, Helles Stout for that matter. Why on earth did you put a Helles in there? You love Helles. Well, I know, but I'm just like you're way more open to trying one of your favorite beer styles when your first beer of the day. Yeah, I like how you named almost all styles you love except for like stouts. <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah, and I guess stouts. I guess, I've never done it, but I, I guess I would be more open to it. I mean, I I named styles that I don't love. That's not true. Well, I don't love Schwarz beers. Yes, what? Yeah, that's true. I do. What? I do like Schwarz beers <laughs> and Doppels and Dunkels. I do not like Doppels all that much. Oh, really? No, too malty for you. Yes, too much. Well, Dunkels there... are nice. That that beer stop we had was excellent. Yeah, it was a little different than I expected it to be too. It's, it's a little lighter. It tasted a little bit sweeter than I was thinking mm. it would. Um, but yeah, so there's our beer of the week. It is Block 15 Single Hot Mosaic IPA. And uh, as I see more of them come out, we'll bring them on. Uh, it is uh, definitely a bit more of a hazy than you might expect just based on the names to be prepared, but it's a good hazy. So It's so funny, like when you when I don't drink it out of out of a glass. Like last night, I just drank it out of a can. It never crossed my mind that it'd be a hazy. Even though it was really soft? No. Hmm. No, I was just like, there's Block 15 doing Block 15 things again. How many beers had you had already? Ooh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> That may have been part of it as well. Well, the blazers were on. <laughs> My fingers were getting tired. It was a day that ended in Y. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's our beer of the week. Let us know what you thought about the episode, and let us know your takes on the tax, as well as the shoots buying Boneyard, your thoughts. You can send us DMs on Instagram, instagram.com slash beers on us. That's where we see most of our personal messages. And, uh, you know, follow us on the other social medias, at beers on us pod on Twitter, facebook.com slash beers on us. We'll be back next week, every single Thursday at 4 on the dot now. Have a very good rest of your week. 14.